Hey, hey. Hey. Thanks for joining me on the Meg Ellison Show. Two metalheads in a row. I like this about my guests. I'm not, you know, I'm not really the hugest metal fan, but everything that I've played this morning, I must say, of course, I picked it out. It's good music, especially that, you know, when the bass kicks in, it's a, that's a must. Joining me this morning via phone, I'm not sure if he's down in the swamp or not, but or the mini swamp, State Representative Scott Krug, how are you? I am happy because I am home. Oh, okay. Well, then th- <laughs> there you have it. So let me tell you a little bit about the music story, right? So All right. Every day you come up, you get off the interstate, you get into Madison, you come up Gorham or University or whichever way you come into the Capitol, and right before I hit the Capitol, I'll play something like Metallica or maybe some Ice Cube once in a while just oh. to, to get that, that, that pump before you get into the building. So like when you come around the corner on, on Johnson to get over to the Capitol and you first see it, and you hit Metallica's bass right at the same time. I mean, it really just pumps you up to go into the building and get stuff done for the day. So that's that's where that music comes from, is that, that energy to get into the Capitol and get things done. So there's no better way to start the day than a little Metallica. You know, I visited you in your office down in the Capitol. You ever crank, uh, you didn't have it on when I was there, but do you ever crank the tunes in your office at some point, maybe after five? No, I, well, we do most of the day, actually. So uh, it, it's, it's always on. So Alexa keeps it uh, ready to go. So she's at a moment's notice when it's time to come in. And whatever mood you want to feel, then you got the Alexa ready to play it out and move on to the next thing. So it's always on in the office. You know, I, like, you know, I, I would concur. I mean, I think when I need to get pumped up about something, you know, I've from time to time um, have gone to meetings and I'm testifying or... or uh, entering public comments i to get myself psyched up i li- i listened to something you know heavy yeah, duty I, mean, I was a i was a big wrestling fan when i was a kid right and you get you know you you play that music to pump up and come in you're like watch the hulk hogan come to the ring with his you know big bumper music and you know you get all energized and excited i mean it's you know politics is a little bit like that you gotta get pumped up and built up and ready to face the lines then jump into the fray and you need that energy to get into it so have you gone off the top rope against any Democrats ever? Well, no, I I haven't been as nimble now as I <laughs> used to be when I was younger, so I haven't yet. Maybe so. an elbow or well, the scorpion? Yeah, there's some elbows. Yeah, those are, the, <laughs> those are the easy ones, yeah. Yeah, so there was a lot of, uh, speaking of Democrats, or I mean speaking of session, there was a lot of, well, I'll ask this instead. Was there a lot of uh, excitement uh, this week, this past week? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always exciting when you get towards the end of session. You know, these last three weeks are a little crazy. You get this bottleneck of bills, and there's 200 things that got to get done. We're all, you know, fighting against each other to get on those final calendars and also working with each other on shared, you know, things that we want to get done. And that's, you know, between Republicans, but it's also across the aisle with Democrats who have worked with us some bills. So there's so much more activity the last three weeks to try to cram everything into the end and, you throw all the big ticket stuff on top of it, like the maps that we're getting done, the $2 billion tax cut stuff that we're getting done, the, the truancy task force and the mental health task force and all these other task forces we've been working on all getting done all at the same time. So it is, it is, it's a buzz. I mean, it is a pretty cool time. I told all the freshmen this week, I said, this is the week, this is the week freshmen that you realize if you really want to become a sophomore, <laughs> you get the full flavor of the legislature the last two weeks of the session. Right, and that's when you memorize your locker combination, 
Yeah. Don't, don't forget your gym shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or your running shoes, because well, uh, it, you're, it, it, it is crazy because you'll be you walk into a room at the Capitol thinking you're supposed to be there for this committee or that committee, and somebody looks at you, they're like, "What are you here for?" And you like realize, "Oh, wait, I don't have to be in this one until later." So yeah, sometimes sometimes it is. It feels a lot like junior high at some point because you're like, "Am I supposed to be here? What's my schedule like? What room am I supposed to be in?" So. That's it's right. fun. I delayed you last time you were on your way somewhere, and we passed in the in the Capitol, and you just, you know, oh, that's right, I got to get going. So you were on your uh, way yeah. to, I think, uh, probably a vote. So that would have been horrible if you would have missed that. But, hey, so let's let's start out by talking about, and, you know, I know often, I, I think you probably know what AB 1037 is, and, and just, uh, uh, I mean, this. Yeah, uh, I know this one really right, well. Right, right. Because, I mean, being the... Uh, um, chair of the Assembly Committee on Campaigns and Elections. Of course you do. But let's talk a little bit about it, what it is for our listeners, and, and I think I'm sure they would like an update. Yeah, so AB 1037 defines what an address is. And it is the height of ridiculousness in in the world that I work in that we have to define an address because the Dane County Court says, well, it's not clear to us what an address is. So, you know, for the last eight years, we've gone back and forth with guidance from the Wisconsin Elections Commission, various court cases, what municipal clerks and county clerks are allowed to do. The Dane County Court did get one thing right. They said, you know what, it would just be easier if the legislature would just define what the address is. I'm like, okay, we can do that. So the day they put out that ruling, uh, Representative Rosar and Senator Tomczyk had a bill sitting in my committee. Uh, that I decided as soon as I saw the Dane County Court messing around with it, I said, we're going to have a public hearing on this. We're going to bring WEC in front of us, uh, tell them why they think their guidance should be used, which it had been used for the last 30-some state elections. Uh, so we brought WEC in front of us, and I said, okay, what would you like us to do for an address? Because the court basically told WEC that they were wrong. Well, it was a good chance to have all three branches of government all dealing with the thing at the same time. So the legislative branch, my committee, called the executive branch agency, Wisconsin Elections Commission, in front of us and told them, you're going to have to pick which branch you're going to go with, because we all remember from civics that two-thirds of the government make the decision. So if the legislators, legislative and executive branch agree, it doesn't matter what the judicial branch says. If the ju- judicial branch says something the executive and the legislative can overrule it. So I brought Don Millis, the chair of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, in front of us and said, yeah, the judge did tell you this. Uh, the judge is trying to tell you that you can go ahead and tell clerks to cure ballots and that this address thing doesn't really matter. Uh, who are you going to listen to, Weck? Are you going to listen to the legislature as we define it under this bill? Or are you going to just go to the courts after telling the legislature we're not listening to anybody, but then bend over and do whatever the court tells you to do? So having that influence and that, that hearing, uh, Wisconsin Elections Commission went back and met the day after the hearing and kind of came up with an in-between. So they gave clerks the ability to uh, not throw out somebody's ballot because it had some missing information, but they also did, to their credit, tell clerks that there is no ballot curing still. Even if the Dane County judge alluded that we should do it, there still is no ballot curing. So, clerk, you cannot add any information to anybody's uh, ballot certificate when it comes in on an absentee ballot. But if you're able to figure out what the missing information is, you're allowed to interpret it. 
I still think this bill makes more sense than even that guidance that WEC put out because our bill clearly defines what components of an address need to be on an absentee ballot certificate. If none of, if those things are, if any one of those things are missing, then that vote cannot be counted until the voter fixes their ballot problem. So the bill went through the committee. Or we testified on it in the Senate yesterday. It will go through the assembly. It will go through the Senate next week. It'll get onto the governor's desk. And the governor will have a chance to answer to the voters of the state of Wisconsin whether he thinks they should be the ones to fix any ballot problems on their own ballots, or if he thinks that they just shouldn't have to worry about their own ballots and let the clerks do it for them. I'm pretty sure that we're going to end up where we're at right now, and the governor is going to veto this bill. So the final answer will probably be that the clerks will be able to interpret any, inf- any missing information but I think the bigger part for me was making sure that they cannot add any information to a ballot certificate. So I just wanted people to know that we are absolutely, as soon as the court is acting on anything, even when we're done with their technical floor periods in the, in the legislature, that we are going to react as a committee to anything that the courts bring up. Because you might have heard that the Democrats again yesterday sued to allow drop boxes again. Oh, for God's sakes. So the Democrats are going to back and they're going to go back and sue over photo ID, I'm sure, while the summer is going on. They're going to go back to the courts constantly and to try to throw all of these election integrity things we passed over the last dozen years. Chaos. Create and my chaos. committee is going to be there every single time. You know, um, Scott, what I find interesting, I had a conversation with uh, Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty attorney earlier this week, and we were talking about um, a lawsuit that they filed against DPI. Because they were, I guess they referred to the um, the application for families to um, to uh, to, right. to yeah. sign up to be in a school cho- to sign up for a school choice school or a choice school, I should say uh, that uh, that they have this perfection rule right. that exactly. required them to have. I, I mean, they couldn't even use the abbreviation WISC W I S C for WISC Rapids. They had to spell out the entire. Wisconsin yeah. Rapids, or their application would be rejected. And I mean, just the, 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 the hypocrisy. hypocrisy. That's oh, right. That is, it is, it is mind-deafening to so many people that they don't see both of those things unless we point them out to them. That DPI has got this standard that WEC doesn't have, or WEC has a standard that DPI or Corrections or whoever else doesn't have. So it is really, it's, super frustrating when the bureaucracy starts taking over the power that they should not have. And that is exactly why we had this hearing in campaigns and elections in the assembly and on the Senate side, just to tell the executive branch agencies, Hey, we're still here. You don't just get to do whatever you want without having to answer uh, to us because we have the oversight over your agency. Well, and you know, I mean, I made the, uh, I was being facetious of course, but imagine if uh, someone were filling out an, a uh, application for the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. You think they'd include their full and complete address? Hmm? Right. Or you, or you think that you know, that Ed Sullivan could have just filled it in for himself? I mean, like, come on. Like, how how bizarre is it well, that... I, are we children? Or, I mean, right. are we not adults that should, you know, like, take take the the responsibility, take the privilege of voting seriously, and just make sure that you have everything filled out accurately? And And I think if there were... Some and I'm not suggesting that anybody get paid, but if there were some sort of 
monetary uh, reward for filling your address out correctly, boy, I think people would just step right up and make sure that that were the case. Because I'm, I'm sure when they file their tax returns and they're expecting a refund, they most certainly include their full and complete address. Right. And, you know, the most ridiculous thing about the hearings we had in the Assembly and the Senate is that the Democrats, of course, are going to say, well, the Wisconsin Election Commission, who we back on everything, now they're going to say the Wisconsin Election Commission is wrong and that the court should just set a new standard, of course. I mean, it's just they just are kowtowing completely to whatever the governor is asking them to do or whatever the courts are telling them to do. They have no capability to legislate, to be leaders. Uh, and I think that was the most frustrating thing of this week is that I've got really good friends in both uh, Democrat caucuses in, in the Capitol and the Assembly and the Senate. And I know they are a lot smarter than they're letting themselves be portrayed right now and that they're good policy thinkers. But they're, they don't feel I don't know if they don't feel like they're allowed to be policy thinkers and to be the people that want to you know, find solutions. Uh, whereas they're just at this point throwing up roadblocks at everything because they know that the courts are just going to take care of it for them. Well, I think they probably get away with it from their voters because oftentimes their voters aren't critical thinkers and they're not using common sense and they're not accustomed to, frankly, I think it's just a mentality that they just don't, they're not, they're not accustomed to thinking for themselves. They're looking I give for the absolute height of directives. It. When we passed the maps this past week, right? We went yeah. a couple of weeks ago, passed the maps with some tweaks to try to help guys like Pat Snyder not have to move. Governor said, well, it's 99.75% of what I wanted, but it's not good enough. So we said, fine, you know what? Let's call your bluff. Let's Let's just pass your map. We're going to win elections anyways because we have much better candidates. We have a much better message. It really doesn't matter what our maps are. If it takes us just passing your map, Governor Evers, bring it to the floor. Let's pass it. You sign it. The Democrats were just fit to be tied. They are so upset with the governor right now because he might sign his own map. Well, I wonder why that would be, right? I mean, they're upset with the governor for wanting to sign his own map because they know that the court could have something so much better for them that the governor is putting them in a bad spot by signing his own map that he submitted in the case that they filed. I don't know. Is it political posturing? I mean, do you really take anything, any emotion out of the Democrats seriously? Because how is it that, I mean, isn't, isn't Governor Vito in lockstep with the rest of them? I don't get it. Well, that's, that's the thing that having those conversations and relationships I have with, you know, a lot of the Democrats, that's where I get some of these this nuggets. insight? Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. just being a good person and talking to them and understanding them, you know, you hear things like they don't have the communication with the governor that they wish they had. I'm like, okay, well, that's the good thing to know is, you know, if we're going to have to negotiate with something, maybe we're just going to have to skip over the legislative Democrats and just negotiate directly with the governor. Or if there's another issue, maybe we just get past the governor and negotiate with three Democrats who might be able to override a veto. I mean, there is a split there that we should be taking advantage of here. So, Well, and and, I mean, you know, talk about that because that's still sort of, uh, I don't know, bad with cliches, but is stuck in my craw about how the assembly at one point, how Robin Voss had, had, uh, was able to persuade, twist the arms of three Democrats to go with the Iowa model. And then it, it, that particular, well, those discussions broke down in the Senate on the Republican yeah. side. How'd that, that happen? That was, I, that was, that was, I don't know how, that was very frustrating because mm-hmm. I think we, you know, had, even, even though they are already veto proof in the 
Senate. I know that we even had some Democrats in the Senate who were okay with the Iowa model. Uh, Lena Taylor, for example, before she left to become a Milwaukee judge, I mean, she was leading the charge for the Milwaukee area Democrats in the Assembly and the Senate to say, hey, this is what we've been asking for for the last 15 years. Why wouldn't we do this? Uh, so at the point when it got really real, all we needed to do was to have some votes in the other chamber, and it just didn't happen for some reason. But we were veto-proof in the assembly. We were ready to go, and we could have taken that step, but it didn't happen. So I don't, I don't focus on those things. I don't blame people for those things. I just know it was a missed opportunity that we had, and our best opportunity now was just to pass this map, get on with it, quit talking about maps forever because we got policy stuff to talk about, and move on to focus on protecting all the other things that we've achieved the last 12 years. So it is literally step-by-step, day-by-day, watching court cases come uh, to figure out what the next step is and how to stay on top of whatever decision the court might try to force down our throats. So that is where you know, this, this team approach that we're taking, whether it's uh, you know, somebody thinks they're more right-wing than I am or more conservative than I am or still a Republican but more moderate than I am, they are on the same team I'm on right now, just protecting the policies that we've gained under the leadership of the Republicans in the legislature the last 12 years, the eight years that we were lucky enough to have Scott Walker as governor. Uh, we have to weather this storm until at least 2025 when we could get another Supreme Court justice elected, put the court back on the right side of the equation, and 2026 when we can elect a new governor to take over in 2027. So it is... There's a bigger picture that people don't sometimes realize that the individual policy thing that's going on. And that's why I think Robin's done such a great job laying out a strategy for 25 and 26. So by the time we get to those next elections, we've played defense enough that we have stayed in the game, that we did not give away the majority, that we can block all the bad things from happening when we're in this downtime. Uh, those are the things that matter the most right now, is making sure that our defense is strong enough to keep us in the game. Well, and that involves strategy, and a lot of it isn't disclosed for obvious reasons, because you talk about something, as an example, say, on the air, that what happens in caucus stays in caucus, and, and we you know we don't want to reveal too much. And I mean, that's why I have said I have off-the-record conversations with Republicans to find out what's going on to gain insight and so then I can speak intelligently and and really give our listeners the ability to have the insight to understand that there is a methodology there is a strategy behind preventing the Democrats from figuring out what the Republicans are doing and the in time for the Republicans to accomplish it. Yeah, it is the hardest thing as a legislator when we come up with a great idea and we know that we've got somebody in a box just to find out 10 minutes later that it's got leaked out to the media somewhere and that the strategy is blown up. That's what makes our defense weak. That's, I mean, if you use the football analogy, that's what takes our middle linebacker out of the game and lets them run right up the middle. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, those are hard things to not disclose. And even my staff doesn't get to know sometimes exactly what we're doing until we do it because – we just have to make sure that we are on the right path, that our path can be used, that our strategy is maintained, that it's not blown up by somebody in the building or in the media, uh, so that when we can get, when we can when we can catch the Democrats flat-footed, we do. I mean, that that is the whole point of what a caucus is: is to make sure that we have a strategic meeting. Uh, that we can use some of the tools that we have in our toolbox yet. And when it gets blown up, we're 
we're feckless. We just we have no opportunity to do those things when it gets blown up. And to, to again be mindful of who our true opponent is and to stick with that. I mean, you know, it's like I don't know who says it, but keep it simple, stupid. And I mean, the, the bottom line is our true opponents are Democrats, and to stay focused on that. And and you know, I as I've said many times, we don't have the luxury of of the infighting which i think shimming was on earlier this morning and he said we don't want to have a, a knife fight in a phone booth yeah right i mean i will stand by my 95 percent lifetime conservative rating any day of the week i mean I, <laughs> I you know if anybody wants to throw other labels out there there's the rhino thing or that it, you're working with the democrats too much i mean those are the realities of the times that we're in unfortunately is to get the things done that i need to get done for election integrity I've got to have buy-in from either the Democrats in the legislature or the governor to get something signed into law. So, and it hasn't affected my conservative rating. I mean, I, like I tell people all the time, I've been married twice and I have six kids. I don't usually get my way at home. So I don't expect to always get my way in Madison and nothing anybody's going to say is really going to affect me. Just, I know that I'm doing the right thing and I know that our strategy is the right strategy. Well, the beauty of it too is you're a viable candidate because you wouldn't have been elected to office if you weren't. And I think that's the other thing to keep in mind is that a lot of critics, uh, well, frankly, couldn't get even, couldn't even get elected dog catchers. So we'll keep that in mind as well. Well, State Representative Scott Krug, you got anything else to add before I let you go? No, one more week to go, and then we're going to be uh, full vigilant, uh, watching every step of the election process all the way through November in the campaigns and elections committee. So we're on it all the way through. Well, keep up the great work. Hey, keep me posted on Wild Rose. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I hear you. Yep. All right. Well, thanks. Have a great weekend. Always wonderful to talk with you. Take care. You thanks, Mike. Bye. Thanks. Going to the 1030 News, followed by your calls on the other side, 715-845-2155 on the Mega Ellison Show on WSAU. Thank <laughs> you.